three sets, the prime rate plus three quarter points every five years, but it's a 15 year uh, balloon with a 25 year amortization. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome. You guys are in for an amazing one today. I got my man Johnny in. Johnny, where are you? You're like down on the Gulf Coast. Where are you? Like Louisiana, Alabama? Where are you at? So we operate. used to be in Florida. We operate. We still do fix and flips. I got that business going in Panama City, Florida, but now I'm in Northern Virginia. Whoa. Leesburg, right kind of right outside D.C. I, I missed the whole thing. I thought you were down, Louis. Okay, okay, Panama City, that's still the Gulf Coast. I'm on the wrong state, but we on the Gulf Coast. So, you know, I think this is, I saw you on one podcast, maybe two, but you, you're coming to the Myers Methods audience. You know, you're coming to the pack today. You got to give an introduction. I appreciate you coming to the Mid-Atlantic Multifamily Investor Conference. I really hope you enjoyed that. I'm glad to continue our relationship on the backside of that, my brother. So, do me a favor, tell the listeners a little bit about you and your journey. Yeah, most definitely, uh, Jerome. And, you know, honored to be here today, man. And uh, but yeah, coming by way of active duty Air Force, been doing that now, coming up on 16 years now, August 21, and um, kind of picked up real estate along the way. Started dabbling in the single family homes, uh, did our first fix and flip project in 2015. And, you know, it was a it was a side business. I was the type of entrepreneurial. My dad had his own repair business growing up. I had car wash, you know, hats, you know, would get my refund check and go buy purses and wholesale and stuff on campus and, you know, kind of lawn service. And so I did. I always was an entrepreneur at heart, got my degree, been doing the Air Force thing. But it got to the point where is that, you know, you negotiate large million dollar contracts and your check's the same. And I'm like, you know, I built this skill set. And if I was in corporate America, you know, the bonuses and all that kind of follows that type of uh, that type of success. And he was like, hey, we, we like real estate. We got a couple of rental properties. We've been buying foreclosures. And boom, we did the fix and flip, um, you know, brought the project management, management skills into that. And we were doing good. A couple of flips here and there, one behind another. And then 2018, Hurricane Michael hit about three weeks after I got home from a six month deployment. And I had been working on my business all during that deployment and got back was was kind of down and out about it. You know, hey, I was ready to hit the ground, you know, we're buying more birds and we're gonna get into multifamily. And then it was like this hit, this category five hurricane set us back. But I think it's uh, ET that says, you know, when you go through adversity, it sets you up for success. It's always an opportunity when you're going through some type of adversity. And it was opportunity. Now you had houses that were just totally dilapidated and people, everybody's looking to sell as is and, you know, be done and pocket the insurance money and go on with their lives. And so it, it really worked out well for us, whereas that we were able to do nine projects in 2019, um, 2020, we did four more and bought our first multifamily uh, property, an 18 unit there in Panama City in the middle of the pandemic. And now we're we're kind of grown. I partnered up with some good guys, and uh, you know, and looking to continue to grow in the multifamily space going forward here in the future. Man, so what markets are you buying? 
Yep. So right now we're in Norfolk and then also in Tampa and the Charlotte MSA. So those kind of the, the top three that we're looking at right now. And that's just based on with the vicinity of boots on the ground with kind of the guys that I've aligned myself with, um, with looking in those areas. Perfect. And what size are you trying to, are you looking for? Yeah. So really 20 to 60 is kind of the sweet spot. I noticed the same kind of area, the smaller mom and pop uh, focus. And I kind of leaned on that with going through our 18 unit deal with kind of seeing and dissecting the seller on that. I was like, you know what? A lot of the industry and the education piece is pushing, you know, the big hundred plus deals, the professional deals with on-site management, which comes with a whole lot of a, more scrutiny and a lot of costs when you start looking at the expenses and everything involved that were like, hey, but there's a wave of baby boomers that own these properties that manage them that's looking to cash out here in the near term. It's like, hey, let's focus on these people and provide value to them. And at the same time, picking up uh, discounted assets that we can turn over and execute a good business plan and add value to them, to uh, our residents and to our investors. Love it. Love it. Got clarity. Got the markets he's in. Ladies and gentlemen, reach out. If you got a deal, who knows? Johnny might be able to help you put it together. So with that 18 unit, everything went perfect, right? You did your business plan. You did your pro forma. And everything happened exactly as you planned for it to happen, right? Uh, no. We had a couple of bumps along the way. It went pretty smooth. But I think for us, the biggest misstep was the time frame with the assignment of benefits. So with this one, we actually took over insurance claim with the property. And so this this prevented or allowed us to not have to bring in another additional 50K or so a renovation to the deal because the insurance claim would pay us off. And um, so we did assignment of benefits. They they gave us the insurance policy. This was unique because the, the property was comprised of four quadplexes and a duplex and they had individual insurance policies for each building. So two of the buildings had already been turned over and the duplex and then there was one that was lacking and this was kind of their motivation factor because it had been a year plus since the hurricane and they still were dealing with this and they were just tired they both had other businesses and they were they this wasn't their priority and it had suffered with the contractor kind of walking off the job when he left he took everything with him including his laptop and so the owner had no clue what was going on with the project because he was three hours away and it was it was a hot mess in which we knew we had to come in and manage that. And we literally, man, it wasn't until July of this year, a little bit over a year past our closing date that we actually got the checks from the insurance company to make us whole to uh, to take those four units over. And so they've been down the whole time. We had initially estimated that it was gonna probably be about four or five months. And it ended up going almost over a year before we could kick off on the renovation for those four. So did you, Lou, do you have like, what is it called? Loss of income protection on the policy, so you could still like get money for the rent, or did you guys just have to eat the down vacant the vacant units? So with that, so they it was it was both, and it was the funny thing about it. Even while we were going through the adjudication, check this out: the seller hit me, so they were still working with the insurance company. They still were working to get loss of rent from the period of time from February to June before we bought it. And so the assignment of benefit was clear at closing that, hey, all those benefits from the claim transferred to us. And so this was to the tune of $10,000 of lost rent that they were asking for post-closing from the insurance company. And uh, my wife, I went back and forth. I brought it to my partner uh, on the deal. And we were like, yeah, what, what should we do? And, you know, I, I signed a check and it was like, okay, cool. 
he and he and he was straight up with me. He was like, you know, this we had put in up until the closing date, and there's a remaining ten thousand that's left that you guys should be able to claim past the June date from when we uh, transferred the title and, and the purchase happened. And all in all, it worked out well. We got right at forty thousand for the um, the bill back for the four units, and then additional ten thousand one fifty uh, for loss of use. And so it worked out. We, we were amenable. And, you know, the, the thing was the, con, the the insurance company was hesitant. They go like, well, you guys figured out. I know you got assignment of benefits. And so they put the seller, myself and the contractor that he initially had signed his rights over to onto the checks. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I had to stay above board and kind of negotiate and work and be somewhat savvy because, hey, I need to help him help me because I knew at the end of the day he was going to have to sign off on all these other checks. And it worked out and it worked out. They were good people and uh, no, nothing went sideways. Thank you. You know, thanks to the Lord. And, uh, you know, and we're, we're moving forward. Wow. So break that down for me when you said you had to help him help you help. Like, how did all that work out? Yeah, because, you know, he got his check first, but we still were waiting on the 40K and the whether or not for them to say that they will allow us to get the loss of use. And so this was probably two months before we got clarity here. And so I knew this was coming. And so it was like, OK, if you're still working with the insurance company, you're having progress because we changed adjusters three times. I'll go ahead and sign off for your check because I know that they're going to send the check back for my 40K. He has to sign, too. And so, I, you know, I didn't want to have problems on that end. So it, and it really with the spirit of it, he he got loss of loss of use for the time he was actually the, the owner of the property. So I really didn't have a whole lot of heartburn and we hadn't projected for that. He didn't really take anything out of our pocket. So that was my mindset with uh, being amenable and, and just moving forward and signing off on it. And it worked out. It, it worked out. Were you, was there any risk for you? If you chose not to take the approach you did of, you know, just being a good person to work with? Um, yeah, we could have. We would have to go the litigation route and, you know, and bring the documents that the attorney had drew up and, you know, and bring lawyers involved. And, you know, that that the lawyers get you end up where you may lose 25, 30 percent of that goes to lawyer fees. And so I, I didn't want to do that. That would have been the last, uh, res, you know, last uh, option for us. You know, I, I wanted to kind of stay out of the legal legal way. And it worked out. We, we talked through it. They were really good. They gave us 25,000 up front um, for concessions at closing just with, cause if there was a Delta where if everything didn't work out with the insurance company and they kind of lowballed us that, Hey, there was some deferred maintenance and some risk there that they actually gave us 25 K at closing. And so we, um, it, it worked out well. And I mean, I'm trying to add up the numbers, but I ran out of toes, bro. <laughs> How much is this all together? Yep. So we purchased it for a million fifty thousand, got twenty five k from the seller in concessions at closing, and the insurance claim gave us another additional fifty k that'll go towards uh, the renovation. And so was all of that in your original like pro forma, and you had all that planned out, or was this like a windfall in your favor? Um. Yep. I had initially budgeted for sixty for the for the renovation for the four down units so it's a little bit short um in that regard but but we can get it done 
we can get it done for for that amount. And I think that's one of the uh, my competitive advantage is just the the work relationship I have with my uh, my construction team with what we do on the fix and flips with the single family side that I can control my cost. And I know pretty good, you know, for the rates that we pay in the area that there's, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat those rates. And so I know we can get it done. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. Okay, and then for the units that have been up the whole time, like how have you been able to work those? Have you been able to raise rents or is everybody trying to kind of staying steady? Were you impacted by COVID in a big way? Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. So we, so going in, we, we kind of had a strategy with the hedge because that was nerve wracking going through leading up to closing with everything shutting down and wondering if the bank, you know, hearing people on podcasts talking about, Oh, yep. I got to bring a month uh well, 12 months of reserves for, you know, principal and interest to the table now. And, you know, or they're not doing a deal. They just, my, my lender walked away and my credit union, they held firm. And so one of the strategies that I, I looked at coming in was partnering with the local housing authority. So bringing in section eight tenants, whereas when we have turnover to leverage them, whereas that you have guaranteed income coming in that will get us close to being to covering the debt service of, for the property. And so we ended up bringing in three additional um, section eight tenants that came in residents that came in. And uh, that's, so that was our kind of our strategy. We went in with underwriting with the 850 uh, market rent and we actually started getting 875. And for those units also one thing that I, I did um, and because I was a little bit more hands-on, I took over the first five months self-managing that I started picking up washers and dryers off market Facebook marketplace and adding them to the units and marking the rent up $30. And so we could get a washer dryer combo for probably between 150, 200 total. And then we would market up $30 a month um, just to generate additional income there. Man, if that's not a hustle, I don't know what is. That's outstanding, man. You getting your money back in three months. Yep, basically. And so that's that's kind of the, you know, a nuance that I kind of wrinkled in there to just kind of push up the NOI. So, wow. Okay. And so what's the full business plan with this thing? You going to hold it? It's a flip. Like, what's the game plan? It's a long, it's a long, it's a long term hold with this. This was my first multifamily had um, I read through Kim Taylor's book about how to legally raise money. And so she had a section in there about how you could actually do promissory notes or you could raise notes. And uh, so I went that route because I wanted to lo- I knew I wanted to hold it long term. Um, I-, I love the area there. The Air Force is bringing in, I think, over two and a half billion dollars to rebuild the base. They got uh, damaged during the hurricane. So long term, it's-, it's a good play um, from from that perspective when in regards to the economy and the jobs coming through and with the, uh, you know, the Air Force committing 50 to 75 plus years in the future there. And we're about six miles away. So it's. It's, it's really good for the area on top of all the tourism and other jobs. So I wanted to hold, 
And I saw that I could do notes. I have done promissory notes in my single family fix and flip business. And so I went out, got an SEC attorney and was like, hey, I want to go ahead and do this. And he's like, hey, yep, I still recommend you do a PPM subscription agreement just to lay it all the risk out, make sure everything's clear. And so we ended up doing a two year note and gave investors a 7% um, cash on cash return paid out quarterly. And we're going to do a 20K uh, equity kicker at that two year mark when we refinance. And I put in this extension in there for one year if we needed it, um, just depending on what happened. But with the limited amount of uh, of CapEx that we had to put in, two years which should have been more than enough time. Wow. So you you brought in debt instead of raising money for equity partners. So you, you own the whole deal yourself. Right. And so we ended up, I ended up raising a total of 95K and my partner Rory came in and uh, he was part of the GP and we ended up doing a, a split between the two of us. It was 77, 18. And I had a, a real good friend of mine from college that got in the deal and I gave him 5% ownership. And so my partner came in and he actually, he raised 75K of that 95K that we brought into the deal. And so when I gave him 18% ownership and uh, yeah, and, and we executed and I had to bring the rest to the table and from my credit union's perspective, they were good as long as I brought at least 5% of my own capital to the deal, that they were fine with second lien position, um, debt against the property um, to get it to get the deal done. So that, that worked out pretty cool for me having to take from my single family business and being a cash crunch to try to close all by myself. I really, you know, saw firsthand the power of partnership and teaming. It's like, okay, no, I don't have to bring all this capital to myself. And now I can bring in partner. I can diversify some of the risk I got. You know, it's not just me. And I can put that capital to work doing something else versus just trying to put it all in just one single deal. I love it. I love it, man. This is not something most people are doing as a strategy in multifamily investing. Everybody's trying to, you know, syndicate. And what you did was basically you put somebody in second position and that allows you to own more of the deal. And I guess what's the exit plan there though? Do you refinance them in five years, three years, something like that? Is there a balloon on it or they're in for the whole time? Um, so it's unique. So we have a we're in a a, a five, I guess the rate resets, we're the four percent interest rate, five one arm resets the prime rate plus three quarter points every five years, but it's a 15 year uh balloon with a 25 year amortization which is a, a pretty pretty good product that, uh, you know, just looking at, you know, where, where we are with cash flow and everything, it worked out real well. But I'm looking to try to get into now, once we uh, make the renovations, we get occupancy up to 100%, we should be able to qualify for agency debt. And I want to try to get a more, more long-term fixed rate um, locked in. So, you know, you bought it at a million, so you'll be able to hopefully get it appraised for more than 1.35 and that will put you in the agency debt category, right? That's what we're shooting for. The as is was 1.24. And I think the projected was, was 1.34 um, back a year or so ago. But I think we, uh, with, with way things have been trading in the market the last year, I think we should, we should be pretty good uh, with where we've been at and some of the offers that we've gotten for the property just since we've owned it for a year. And you guys are rocking it. So, you know, if you had to go through the thing all over again, would you buy a property with down units? Would you do an assignment with the 
insurance claim? Like, walk us through that. What What would you change in order to make this thing go a little bit smoother? I wouldn't change anything because that was that was that was the gold in the deal. That was the opportunity. Um, you know, I you know dealing with renovating homes and you know so that piece doesn't scare me. You know, the renovation that a lot of people shy away from that, but that's where the opportunity with uh, the assets being able to come in and execute the business plan. And I had went through the insurance claim process with my own residence and just, you know, to meet up here and other guys talk about, hey, I've done assignment of benefits. You can do this when you buy the house. Just take the insurance claim, too. There may be something you can get additional capital out of it. And I kind of implemented that strategy. And, uh, you know, so it, it I wouldn't change it because it, it worked out. It was it was longer than we wanted to. But, uh, you know, looking at where we are today. It was a good deal. And I think that's what I've kind of learned from being being active in real estate that was like, hey, seize the opportunity when the deal presents itself and, and kind of move forward with it. And, and you won't know, won't have 100 percent the solution, but hey, 70 percent will get you there. And a lot of it you can kind of, as the, I think as Steve Harvey said, you can be take the leap and build a parachute while you're falling. Um, you know, so you have to take that a little bit to uh, to heart, you know, to be able to move out and get out your own way. Man, that's absolutely terrifying trying to stitch together a parachute on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> it's high pressure. Man, that's got to be the, the military in you. Last question I want to ask you, my brother, is what words of wisdom do you have for our listeners? I think the biggest thing is uh, take action. You know, I um, I'm, I got my, man, my draft manuscript turned over to uh, my publisher now, and my first mindset chapter was take action. I think I truly believe that you have to take action, you know, because we can we can do and overanalyze and we can go and listen to all the podcasts and consume the content, but we got to take action. And you know, we got to make our dreams real and 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 you got to take action to make it happen cuz right now nobody's going to give it to you. You got to go out there take action and and take what it is that you're looking for and make it happen. And um and the rest will kind of fall into place. And when you say take action, what does that actually mean? It, you know, it's, it means whatever you want it to mean. You, once you set your mind on, hey, I want to invest in multifamily. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be, you know, a fix and flipper. I want to burr strategy. It's like, okay, what do you have to do? It's plenty. Every, you, you see the successful people and what they do. It's like, okay, now success leaves blue, a blueprint. And just follow what people have done. It's you know a lot of this stuff isn't rocket science, and it's not you know engineering. You don't have to go get an engineering degree. That uh you know you can you can follow the steps, but you just gotta align yourself with the right people that can kind of navigate around. Like hey, I fell in that hole. You might want to go around here. Don't go down that street, and and you can get there a whole lot faster. But if you're just sitting on the sideline, you're never gonna make a shot. You got to get off the bench and you got to get in the game. Get in the game, but play with some experienced players. That sounds like the summary to me. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and listen to your coach. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can appreciate that. Oh, you know, it, it's it's really interesting. But that's why we charge what we charge, right? Because if the person chooses not to listen, it's like, how can you justify spending this much money and not actually following the guidance? Right. You know? You're 100% right. Johnny, super grateful we got this thing done. Glad to see you in the game. Looking forward to hearing you closing something in Tampa, Charlotte, or what's the last market? Norfolk. Norfolk, Virginia, 20 to 40 units. 
Ladies and gentlemen, come on, you got to connect with Johnny. He's a part of the pack. Until the next time, we'll talk to you guys soon. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. And share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.